Hello and welcome to the second episode of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I am your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. I've done my homework this week. When someone else is given responsibility over this pod, something actually gets done. We have some sound effects for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. You won't have to cut down the bloody theme song this time, because it's just... It's perfectly cut just, for Just you. a point of See what happens just, when I do just something. Just a point of clarification. We have higher quality sound effects, not new sound effects. People I don't, don't think playing something off YouTube into a microphone cla- classifies as a sound effect. How do you think it happened in the old days, Scott? <laughs> I don't think they had any microphones, to be honest with you, mate. I was talking like the 1970s, not like 1500s. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been a very small period as they were progressing to the... To the sort of standard of quality you, that I've brought to the How do you now. think they did Star Wars? They did clap something in front of a uh, in front of a microphone. We did the same thing. Why are we talking about Star Wars? But importantly, where's my where's my slab of EB? Yeah, look, I will. Give we you made this. a deal. I do my homework. You bring me a slab. I was here ready. I came ready to go to the Dan Murphy's with you, but you'd already had a beer, and I just didn't want to risk it. Well, that's a lie. That's a complete lie. But anyway, you're going to bring me one next week. Slab of Victoria's no, Finest. I'm going to come over and we're going to drive to the Dan Murphy's and then we'll get the slab. As long as you pay for it, I'm happy. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, should we get to the football? Yeah, well, everyone's favourite segment, of course. Should we get to the football? Yes, everyone's favourite segment. So, uh, <laughs> under everyone's favourite segment, as, as I say, uh, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title of the lot derives from a line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. You agreed last week not to No, do I didn't. Again. When did I agree to that? We give three to one votes for the most meaningless game of the round. The game which no one cares about, which generally does involve North Melbourne. But we're going to start with uh, one vote. There's a 90% chance I'm hitting him during this pod. It was a good week of footy, this one, actually. But one vote we're going to give to Gold Coast Carlton. Um, I only wanted to give it the one vote because, firstly, it's a bit of an upset. I mean, you, well, you, even you were giving some credit to Carlton last week, and I was giving some credit to, to see Carlton, them get. But a lot of their problems, fun. their defense is looking like it's fallen apart a little bit. Everyone's been pointing out what Liam Jones was doing, standing ten meters in front of Tom Lynch, when there's nowhere near enough midfield pressure to force those kicks to drop short. Mm-hmm. He, in an effort to go more offensive, they're sort of. They're costing themselves a little bit of their uh, defensive integrity. And look, it's had to happen. They couldn't keep doing what they were doing. But it's going to be an interesting process, and I don't think it's particularly effective football at the moment. Could could that just be an adjustment period, though? These these defenders, for a couple Absolutely. of years, have... Like, they just they haven't been vulnerable. It's just They've had numbers back. They've had really good defensive structures. So the ball's always coming in slowly, and it's easy for them to chop off. Um, this is for the first time that they're actually being caught out one-on-one with the ball moving in quickly. I think it'll take a bit of time. On paper, I don't mind it. I think Liam Jones is not a bad defender. I think he will be a good defender. Uh, Weedering oh, will be defender. a good defender. Marchbank and Plowman can play. I, I reckon that's a decent back line. And I reckon they'll... It's just it's just a bit of an adjustment period. They're changing, and they'll get there. Yeah, it's all fair, but I don't think it'll be a particularly quick adjustment period. I don't think it's going to click, and suddenly they're an all-right side this year. They've still got a lot of developing to do, and it's an important part of their growth process, but it's costing them in the short term, which most of these rebuilds have periods like this. So, it is what it is. The other reason it's only one vote is because of Tom Lynch. I mean, that that's just great to see. I, I, was, I actually have a little bit of a story. I just hope you know I'm writing down every single piece of logic you used to argue these points. <laughs> because I know what's coming yeah, at three, and it's ridiculous. Just, just wait for it, mate. 
<laughs> uh, I have a good story about old Tom Lynch. I went to the to a bar, uh, the old the old London Tavern. They can sponsor us if they'd like to, uh, mentioning them on the air. Um, I was watching the Melbourne game in like a small little room, and then on the big screen separately, they're playing the Fremantle Essendon game. Tom Lynch was there. So I'm, I'm like halfway through a quarter in the Melbourne game. There's just these random cheers going off every few seconds. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? So I have a look at the look at the screen. They're showing the Tom Lynch highlights. Every time he kicks a goal, the crowd's just getting around him. It was, uh, it, it was a good laugh. Great story, Scott. Thanks, man. What's two votes? You found it funny before the pod. I didn't particularly find it funny. <laughs> you were just so off in your own world telling that story, you didn't hear me not laughing. Two votes. Uh, I'm going to prove that I'm not biased when it comes to this. And I'm not. I'm not. There's a very clear criteria that I go with. There's a clear formula. In about two seconds, you've got to prove that you are biased. But what gets three votes? Two votes is going to Melbourne, Brisbane. And to be honest with you, I was a bit worried during the last quarter that I wouldn't be able to they give it to They did votes. come hard, didn't they? <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't happy with the performance, to be honest. They're, these two weeks... I've just I've seen no sign that we're any different to we were last. Are you year. worried about tired leagues coming back from Brisbane? Um, you know that saps it out of you. No, I'm worried about the fact we're playing North Melbourne, who we haven't beaten in 12 years. I'm not worried about the tired legs. Well, um, it actually is 12 years. I've been saying random numbers just off the top of my head that weren't actually what it was, and they're all huge numbers. But you just said a real huge number. No, that was actually it's true. ingrained, and I'm sure you're going to beat us again this week. I have no doubt about that. But let's be honest, the real takeaway for you is that I was right in ranking our top five recruits last week because Charlie Cameron's really good. I think number three is very high, but he he was excellent. I think this this was the first time I actually saw Nifty a bit exasperated. He he actually looked a bit confused because um, Cameron was great and then he was chopping onto Christensen as well and he was playing really well, gave away a few questionable, slightly soft free kicks, but he did give away a few free kicks and they played really well, their small forwards, and... Look, I largely think after half-time I do blame us for what happened, but Brisbane are going to be a much more competitive team this year, so good yeah, on them. they don't cover the turnover well, but they're putting in a lot of the other aspects of the game in a decent fundamental level. They'll hold them in good stead to be competitive and developing. I like watching Brisbane at the moment. Yeah, well, moving on to three votes, and I think, I think it's going to be pretty obvious what it's going to be. Three votes, of course, we're giving to the old, the old Good Friday game, North Melbourne and St Kilda. So to those teams we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah, Scott, that's absolute bullshit for like 40,000 different reasons. Let's no, go was, th- everyone's talked about it as the most boring game of all time. Or the, no. the, okay, the lowest quality game of all time. But halftime it was 210 Which each. in itself makes it notable. So let's go oh, through your criteria. On. Let's go through your criteria. One, you say the occasion matters. So when Collingwood and Melbourne play these absolute snooze fest, that's your excuse. Oh, good Friday. Oh, I'm not biased. I'm Scott. It's the second year and it's North Melbourne playing. No one cares about that from it's a footy perspective. It's a blockbuster game on a holiday. Oh. It is an occasion. You said it was a li- You said Gold Coast Carlton was a little bit of an upset. This was a much bigger upset by a bigger margin and ends, ends the entire season for a football club, which makes it bigger. <laughs> we also have an exact mirror of the game that wasn't on Good Friday further down the list. It's the exact... By, there was less of an upset than this. I don't understand your logic. It's a complete low... It was the, the, the quality of the what? game was very low. Mate, there's a very strict formula that goes into this. I crunched the numbers and you came out with three votes. It was a rubbish game of footy. So I'm just going to enact my rights as host to veto. And to we're actually going to give three... It's my votes. segment. You can't veto. We're actually going to give three votes to West Coast and Western Bulldogs to just 51 Please. points. 
Uh, actually, no, they get one vote. Your game gets three votes. Because that's the archetypical <laughs> Gold Jag, Green Jag game. So to whatever. Mate, Brisbane, you, Melbourne, I give you. Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> you are a dead set. Okay, so Dan, let's Dan. talk about let's talk about the game, the Gold Jack Green Jack game that we skipped. West Coast Western Bulldogs. So Western <laughs> Bulldogs. <laughs> no, we're not talking about this now. Well, yes, we are. West Coast. <sighs> they're looking all right. <laughs> exactly, they're looking all right. So they're half reasonable. We're fifth on We're looking all right. I watching West Coast. You know who's Bulldogs. above? You know who's above West Coast? Bull- <laughs> West Coast. North Melbourne's above West Coast. Shut up! You played a game in the wet. That's not going to give you much of a blowout from a percentage perspective. We have the best defense in the league, Scott. We haven't conceded a hundred points in two games yet. <laughs> Mate, you watch West Coast defeat the Bulldogs, and I come away saying disappointing from the Bulldogs. But you know, West Coast are looking all right. I see North Melbourne beats St Kilda. I think disgraceful by St Kilda. Stick North to the game. Still crap. Stick to the game we're talking about. What were your thoughts <laughs> about West Coast? I think we've been pretty clear on West Coast for a long time. They are a brilliantly coached outfit. Their defensive structures are outstanding. The way they move the ball um, when they're on is, is pretty special mm. and different to how other teams do it. They actually kick. Yeah. And they, they move the ball forward in that way. Um, they're an excellently coached team. They don't have a great list at the moment, but I think because of those structures they have in place, they'll be competitive. Yeah, um, they've got a couple of players that are in fantastic form. Shannon Hearn, what he's doing to start this year is pretty unbelievable. Probably Rory Laird's had 40 touches two weeks in a row, and Hearn's playing nearly as well with being without damaging his he, He's always been a mediocre footballer with one asset. <laughs> he yeah. has a beautiful long boot, and which happens about once a game. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, it's happening a lot more. He's kicking these lasers through the guts, and their their system is finding these open targets for him to hit, and he's just changing the game off half-back for them. And Jack Darling is not missing Josh Kennedy at all. He's playing really well. He's looking a lot stronger in the air. He's bodying people out like we sort of expected him to when he came into the system as a man-child. I really like what he's doing. And then they got, like, Liam Ryan is a great recruit. Yeah, he That guy is right, exciting. I don't think Willie Rioli's there yet. He, no, not he, quite. He, 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 I think he could get there. He's, mm. a bit, he's, he's a little bit chubby. He is a little he's, bit. A, no, when, when I'm looking at the, the main difference between the two of them, is like, from a distance, there's just it's a bit, three a bit of chub Scott. on. What? There's no, between Rioli and Liam Ryan. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you're playing a similar position, it's a little bit of charm on Arioli. Yeah, well, look, um, comparing it to his cousins, <laughs> again, just a little uh, bit more charm. <laughs> that's true, same there. Keep more uh, in the cheeks. But yeah, no, Liam Ryan, he, looks pretty, he was pretty good in round one too. He, he looks like he has a fair bit of ability. Yeah, he, he's so exciting too. He's like having a Jeremy Howard in the forward line again if he's going to jump like that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to rip into the Bulldogs again or did you get enough We've of We've got a question about that. They're just not good. They're not. They're not working hard enough, and their system's completely broken down. What else is there to say? Yeah, their selection policy is ridiculous. So that's another thing to say. The, the, the two, <laughs> the, the the two big stories out of this round are. I mean, from from a negative perspective, are Bulldogs and St Kilda. Like, yeah, they're, they're the. They are the teams with the heat on Which is why it's kind of ridiculous that you put them in Gold Jacket and Green Jacket. Quality of game is the reason. <laughs> that comes abs- out high on the formula. It's absolutely it's an important it's factor. absolutely not the reason, the criteria. But anyway, let's get to the... I can't believe we just did West Coast <laughs> but anyway. Let's get to the other football. Adelaide defeated Richmond by 36. What was your takeaway? 
Take away is really, really impressive from Adelaide. They, they had a lot of obstacles they came up against. Crouch was off for most of the game, who's one of their best players, and also down on a rotation. Talia was off for about a quarter, also Sloan. an extremely important quarter. Sloan was... He was mighty. He was limping around. I thought he was done. He came back on the field and he was limping around. You thought, ah, it's one of those things where he'll come off in two minutes' time yeah. and just say it's done for the day. Yeah. But he played bloody well and he ran hard. He was kind of limping, but he was still running into space, as, as Sloan does. <laughs> um, their forward line started working together again. Um, Jenkins, good, good to see. He was a really good player for a lot of last year. This was one of the better games you'll see him play because it wasn't... Eddie Betts goals in the goal square. No, he was actually attacking the ball. And he was clunking marks, and he missed a couple early, but after a while he started kicking straight. Yeah, he kicked four or five. One of the two. Yeah. Um, and old uh, Rancy wasn't enjoying, enjoying his day. No, there's been a lot of talk of the key defenders being made to defend again. A few of them are getting shown up. If you recall with Rance, there was one game last year when there was all this talk about if you make him accountable, he's not Yeah, Harry Taylor. Exactly. It was Harry Taylor. Um, And my thought, and it's probably still my thought, is Rance was an excellent one-on-one defender before he started floating around a bit more. And he's become a better player since he's been a bit more free. He's given more chance to impact the game. But, I mean... Maybe it's just he, he got caught out because he was wasn't expecting to be playing that yeah. role and he got isolated. But I mean, if if that if you try to do that every week against Alex Rance, he'll mm. adjust to it and yeah. he'll be excellent in that role. I know what I think. Makes and he had a Alex, great second half as well. What I think makes Alex Rance elite is how well he can pull off all the desperate acts in football. Mm. The ability, the amount of context he gets to through sheer desperation, the amount of diving, whatever he does with the ball that saves a goal. I think that's what most sets him apart. And it's hard to do that when you're engaged one-on-one. So I do think it takes something out of his game. It doesn't make him a bad player, but it does limit his effectiveness. And I think it's a pretty good strategy that I think is being employed fairly widely throughout the competition at the moment. Buddy's kicking more goals. Tom Lynch is kicking, is staying deeper. Ben Brown is... Well, Ben Brown's always stayed deep because he can't move well enough to not. Um, there's a heap of key forwards that are playing closer to goal, uh, being willing to lengthen the field and attack the ball and hit up with the ball rather than trying to just get goals running straight towards, directly at the goals. There's an interesting little theme going on with uh, key forwards and how they're working. At the start of the year, all of the wisdom was you go a small forward line, get guys like you know Dusty one-on-one in the screen mm. and stuff like that, give them space. I kind of think what's happened a little bit is teams have got better at giving that... Because they've had like a medium forward, they've had mm. to give them a lot of space to make them effective. So teams have got better at that. And now if you chuck Tom Lynch or Buddy Franklin yeah. in that role, that's even better than having, you know, yeah, Dusty even or more Fife or someone. So I, I, one of the things which is happening is, or regardless of if, if it's a medium forward or a tall forward, mm. I think teams have just got better at isolating their... Yeah, where actually teams are actually building structures to utilize the strengths of a key forward. And look, some teams aren't really doing it, although Geelong aren't really helping Tom Hawkins at all. There's a few teams that are being left behind with that. Yep. What Carlton's doing with Weedering isn't working, but what is what they're doing with Charlie Kerno is. So there's obviously levels to it, but league-wide, I the, think it's going pretty well the, for the key forwards. The, di- the dynamic aspect of it as well helps. The fact that you occasionally do have those players coming out of deep mm. forward and you have someone else coming back in because it just frees them up and means that, you know, if, if Buddy's doing this all year, eventually you're going to have two defenders on Buddy and that'll probably kill him. Well, I'm not necessarily sure because 
there were two defenders on Ben Brown the entire time, and with the amount of structure it gives, and these key forwards will create that contest. You do get ancillary benefits by still utilising that structure. You get guys coming up to the ball and hitting it harder for the crumb. You get you get more freedom around the half forward line because they've got to hold a second key defender deeper. It, I think it's still worth the effort, even if you the effectiveness of these key forwards is slightly diminished later in the season. It'll be fascinating to see how that develops throughout the year. And at the end of it, we'll be saying it's, you know, the, the big forward is back. Mm. Whether small forward line will win out again. It'll be, that's a really interesting Yeah, well, line. Buddy's on track for 100 goals, so... I'm really excited to see how Buddy goes this year. If he kicks 80 or 90 goals, I'll be very happy. Yeah. Like, because it's... Take I'm, I'm sick of 60-goal Coleman medals. Yeah. Low 70 cold medals. That's just not fun. Good, good start of the year on that front. It is a good start of the year. So let's get to the Good Friday game, which wasn't in the gold jacket, green jacket. Uh, this was a pretty big game, as you know. It ended St Kilda's season, and they were talking about a premiership this year, Scott. So what are your thoughts? Are you actually happy at coming out of this game? Do you, do you believe North Melbourne played well? Oh, I think we played significantly better than St Kilda did. <laughs> yeah, but Skills <laughs> was definitely not happening. So in the first half, which was pretty awful, I think there was a difference in the level of awfulness, even though the scores were tied. North had shots on goal for their two goals and were just shanking them. And poor kicking's poor football. We've established that. But we were creating real genuine opportunities. With St Kilda, they were having shots from outside 50 that were getting rushed over mm-hmm. so they could have a structured kick out. Instead, and they had five of those in the first half. So they kicked two goals, five of genuine scoring shots compared to two goals, ten. So there was a gap between the two sides, pretty no, much the no, entire No, I, I do agree with you on that front. And St Kilda, I think, was significantly worse with. So outside of the goal kicking, there was poor skill up the ground as well. And I think that was, again, mostly St Kilda. The amount of. It's almost like watching ter- uh, tennis and counting unforced errors with St Kilda. They would just have balls out on the wing where they'd miss a handball and then. The extra two seconds would mean a North Melbourne winger could get, could get over and force them out of play. So you'd have a boundary throw instead of a kick inside 50. The amount of times that happened during the game, and it was always seemingly two Seb Ross, which just <laughs> made his day worse. He had Ben Jacobs on him all day, and then every time they kicked it to him, they shanked it. I think I, the frightening thing about it from like a St Kilda fan perspective was the fact that they had so much opportunity to change. You get to quarter time, they're being outplayed by a team they think they're better than. Yeah. No changes are made. You get to half time and you think, surely St Kilda will come out and be a different team. It's North that come out and play better. <laughs> but that's, that's what's scary. Like, it, teams can get blown away in a quarter, but it was a four quarter. They were Yeah, fun. and then at... Three quarter time, you go. Hmm, it's only two goals. North have just yeah, played yeah. in the swimming pool the week before, and they concede seven goals to none yeah. in the last quarter. It actually is quite frightening from a St Kilda perspective. And what, what do they do well? This is the question. They don't. Their pressure wasn't good. Their inside work wasn't good at winning the ball. Their tall forward setups done absolutely nothing Awful. for you. Membry is a system player. The only way he scores goals is the system. Mm. works that he gets an uncontested mark. I never see him do any hard work as a forward. Uh, Bruce has just dropped off a cliff since his first year mm-hmm. in St Kilda where he kicked 50-odd goals. And McCartan, I still... He's developing, but he's not there. He, he's a long way off. The, the thing with St Kilda 
over the last couple of years, the thing which they've had, their weapon has been they move the, move the ball really quickly. And mm. um, a lot can be said for having a few tall forwards when you do that. When you move the ball quickly into your forward lineups, they did it to Melbourne quite a few mm. times. They have the three talls there. You and it, it, they always get caught out one on one with a Melbourne player sort of running back trying to spoil you. Can't yeah, and a Melbourne that. player that was too small as well because the zone would mean there was a switch yeah. going on. Yeah, um, but it's not working for them because they they don't have the right forward setup. They're all just falling over each and other. And the kicks aren't good enough. They're not getting into the right positions to, and they're not hitting targets. It's one huge indictment on St Kilda is that one of the players they have that I like most is Jade Gresham, who's just a big right. <laughs> like, I really like watching Jade Gresham play. But uh, he shouldn't be like my favourite St Kilda player. Jack Stephen has had a great start for the year, and he's yeah, a but he's a turnover merchant. Oh, but he man, he really impacts the game. He he stuff. does, and I like him. But he's a turnover merchant. Same with Seb Ross, racks it up thirty times, but mm-hmm. turns the ball over fifteen. Billings is really good, but can't kick straight in front of goals. So there's all these little issues that every time you think they've got a strength, it's taken away. They have a lot of talented players you just haven't haven't kicked, kicked off. off, and a lot of them look like they're getting to that point where you start doubting whether they will. Yeah, and their inside midfield's dropped off with Montana. Well, Montana wasn't inside midfield, but their midfield depth has dropped off. Yeah. Armitage is nowhere near what he was a couple of years ago. He just looks slow and lost. Jack Steele has gone backwards to start the year. Yeah. As your fantasy side would know. <laughs> yeah, well, Charlie delisted him after the first game. I thought he was averaging 90 last year. Let's yeah. jump on him. And yeah. then he was... No worse. good again. <laughs> there, there are a lot of issues for St Kilda. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think there's easy solutions. you got to hope that Hunter Clark's good, Nick Caulfield's good. Like, these are the guys. Yeah, they need they're going to have to rebuild again. No yeah, doubt. which is shocking because then you're getting into Melbourne Garden territory. Where you've got rebuild, rebuild on rebuild. rebuild. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, it's not a fun time, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, it's really disheartening. I wouldn't particularly want to be a St Kilda supporter right now. At least they had success reasonably recently, though. <laughs> so, yeah. it's not like you guys. Um, but anyway, let's go. Almost success, they've had. They've had near success, but anyway. <laughs> that's that's true. But a premiership is a lot of success. Well, we've won 11 more than them, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, have you won 13? But no, that was the dogs <laughs> that won the second premiership. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's move on. Because, you know, there's only so much positive things you can say about North. Oh, actually, no. Jared oh, White. No. Jared White. Brad Scott says his uh, best is ahead of him. Might be right. He was How so old good. Is he? He's 35. <laughs> He's the second oldest player in the competition. <laughs> he'll play one of those games every 10 weeks and then he'll be out of the game. We so know a way that he'll get suspended. We know no, he'll get hurt is. now. He's over his suspension issues. He's too old for that. He'll just get hurt. Too um, late. He'll do a punch. <laughs> exactly. He can't chase down the person. Punch him. Um, but anyway, let's go. GWS defeated Collingwood by 16. This is a pretty good game. Yeah, this was a really good game of footy. Um, I thought for most of the game, I only managed to catch the second half, but watching that, it felt like the game was really on Collingwood's terms. So that's a really big tick for Collingwood. I don't know what it is, but Collingwood always show up against GWS. They've only lost them once or twice now. It's actually ridiculous. Yeah, they've got some amazing record. For some reason, the only team Buckley can coach against is GWS. Um, And I, I think it's just because the only thing Collingwood can do is bring effort. And the only thing, the way to beat GWS <laughs> is to like really intimidate them with effort. Well, that was the way in which the game kind of went. Like Collingwood in the contest were better, and for that reason, it felt like for most of it, 
you were kind of watching Collingwood try mm. to find their way through, and then GWS would just do something special on like on the way back. Yeah, yeah kick a goal. Yeah. Um, on, Almost out of nothing. On, on the rebound, yeah. Um, which just sort of yeah, kept him in the game, kept him in the game. And in the last quarter, they you know they just got over the top really in the end. Um, Cornelio was another one doing the old He's key so forward sort of good. stuff in the last quarter. He was playing deep forward. Did for a lot not of think he had that it. string to his bow. All midfielders seem to these he days. He kicked like twelve goals in his career before the before yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other player who was all right, never heard of him before, Jeremy Finlayson. He looks really good. About three times. I'm like, wait, who, who was number 31? He's, re- <laughs> he's really big, he's really athletic, and he's got a really big left boot. He, he takes a good grab. He's. I think he was a reasonably high draft pick. Was right? he? Or in their academy good. or something. It's not a good name, Finlayson. But I don't know. I don't mind it. It's weird to say. It's, <laughs> it's an effort for a commentator. It's one too many syllables. Yeah. I'll give you that. But he looks really good, and they've just unearthed him and replaced Wilson and... Williams with Whitfield and Finlayson. Yeah. <laughs> and with, let's be honest, Whitfield is really good off half-back. Yeah, I think you're of the opinion that Whitfield is better off half-back than Williams and Wilson were. Look, I watched a little bit of the Freo game, and Wilson was awesome in the Freo game. But yeah, yeah. He, like he's so good offensively, and he's so precise by foot. And I think he's got a bit more, a bit better decision-making than either Wilson mm-hmm. or Williams had. Williams so often would run 20 metres, then just kick as far as he could. Yeah. And would panic a little bit. Wilson would do the same a little bit. They'd, but Whitfield's just so much more precise. Well, they're, they're different, aren't they? Like, with Wilson yeah. Williams, it was more of like a, a crazy sort of just sprint. Like, you know, yeah, try and break the Leg zone. speed, try to get through. And Whitfield's more just sort of clever the way that he uses it. Um, it does make you think a little bit that, I mean, leg speed is a little bit overrated, I think. And in these situations, because you can move the ball quick if you're smart with the ball. Yeah. You're good with your hands, you're a good kick. You can move the ball quickly. You don't need leg speed. I, I think being quick might be overrated, but being slow is still as bad as being slow is. I, I think I, there's there's a level of pace you need to be at yeah. to be able to survive at AFL level. And I think, but amazing speed. It helps for a small forward outside of that. You can and get even, you can get around it. Even with a small forward, change of direction is probably more important. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. Because it's the nimbleness the around a pack that really gets you separation. And I don't know, who really uses their leg speed well? Adam Saad? Mm. Dangerfield does. In a contest I think it's quite important to give you like, yeah, explosive out Dangerfield of it. Does. But yeah, off half back, a precise kick is better than a running time a little it bit. Is. I think Sean Atley proved that he was quick but didn't do much. <laughs> he's, he's just no good. Uh, Col- uh, Buckley's done well to be able to deflect all of the heat onto Beveridge and Richardson now. Oh, he, he must be happy so happy. They've like, lost two games. He completely. <laughs> he would have been shattered when Hardwick started going coming good again because he had he had this uh, man in with uh, like man on the same mission as he was fighting against the oppressive supporter that wanted him fired. But Hardwick went and went on premiership, so he was left alone. But now he's got Richo and Bevo there yeah. with him. Having said that, they have Carlton on Friday night. So if they lose that, it's straight back on. I cannot see them losing to Carlton. Yeah, if right. they lose to Carlton... I hope, it, I hope it happens. <laughs> that two-year two contract extension might not mean much. Um, but yeah, Collingwood still the same. Oh, actually, the injuries need to be mentioned. One, they were gross, and two, yeah. they're pretty big ones. Pretty, pretty grim. <laughs> Kicking into the post, that's, oh, oh, what that's really, not a nice what way to go What actually really annoyed me was that the photo of his leg 
like broken yeah, yeah, was yeah. the thumbnail for the article. So you did. You should have to click spoiler in. Warning, you should have yeah trigger warning. You <laughs> should have images. to. You should have to click into the article to see that image, and you should have to want to see that image. It should not <laughs> be able to sh- be shoved in your face on Facebook because yeah. it's gross. It's good news, graphic image. I never. I managed to never see Nathan Brown's leg. I did not want to see Tim Brunette's leg. It's gross and just no, doesn't I, need to be shared. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed <sighs> the same pleasure of them. Um, gun it about Scully though Not good for the old fantasy Libba and Scully down In two weeks You're in a little bit of trouble Midfield's in a bit of trouble But let's Let's be honest He's a bigger loss for GWS <laughs> I don't know man <laughs> I need him His power running Always added An element But I guess they've got A lot of guys That can fit Do similar work to him They have so much Midfield depth I mean we don't want to get To the point that The injuries that they had Last year no. But they can cover it they can, they can. But let's move on. Uh, Freo defeated Essendon by 16. Man, I was much happier about this result than I was about the Melbourne game. Do you want to go on your <laughs> so victory lap? Uh, you, you doubted me last week, didn't you? I said they're not too bad. I, I was so close to tipping Freo. I was so close. The thing is, uh, I get to enjoy the fact that Essendon lost to Freo, so I get to feel good about my prediction, That's which true. I copped a little That's bit of shit for. But no, Freo were pretty good. More energy than you'll ever see them play with, or you have for a long time. Yeah. I, I don't know how much of it was feeding off the crowd. Yeah, and the occasion, the their first game in that stadium. But they looked good. Their ball movement looked a lot better. Mundy played as a key forward for large portions of the game, and that solved a lot of their issues. Cause he can McCarthy, play anywhere, Mundy. McCarthy's probably not a key forward when you really think about it. He's he's a really frustrating player. Like When he takes a mark and kicks a goal from... 55, 60, you think, my God, he could be anything, but he's really averaging in between parts. Yeah, no, he doesn't offer anything coming out of, like, doesn't do any defensive pressure work. Absolutely not. He too often tries to just, like, use his hips to get his opponent under the ball and run onto it, which doesn't work all that often, and so, so many balls that are kicked to him just dribble through for a behind, which is incredibly frustrating situation because it just wastes all that good work. If you at least bring the ball forward, there's yep. a chance for a crumb. But he doesn't even do that. He tries to crumb his own. Yeah, he do, he doesn't do the team stuff, but he no. does the special stuff, which makes you think, oh, gee, he could but be pretty good. He <laughs> can kind of get away with that because Taverner's looking a lot better. He, yeah, he is. And apparently he's second much in, he was second in contested marks in the league last year, apparently. So, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. He takes one occasionally, but... Uh, yeah, he averaged 2.8 last yeah, year. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, he kicked. He's taking them in more damaging positions now. They're using him. They used him a bit, but he can't say using because they got flogged the week before. But there's reasonable signs for Freo there, and they've got they've got some speed at the feet as well, which I always have. Like Ballantyne's a good small forward. Walters is an absolute star. Matera's okay. Was injured, I think. It's a recent yeah coming out. Well, he looked a bit stuffy, sort of in the third quarter. Then came on and played pretty well in the last. Yeah, okay, which. When I was watching, it was going, hmm, what's going on here? But, yeah, no, they've got, a, they've got the other hill. They've got heaps of speed. They do. Ford of centre. And they got Wilson down Wilson, back exactly. now. So it makes, you, like, it makes you start, maybe they are starting to change. They have been such a slow movement team for such yeah. a long time. Like, basically, it's been stoppages on nothing for them. Because they haven't been able to move Even Neil's reasonably back. quick. Like, I wouldn't think Fife that isn't quick, but because you can't tackle him, he sort of sucks in extra players and yeah. makes other people look quick. There is a little bit there for Essendon, though. Pretty bad loss. Yeah, it is a bad loss coming off a really good win. I, I, that'll be the theme of Essendon all year. 
I'm telling you. Yeah. But there'll be times which we think, wow, and there'll be times which they just completely blow it. Stringer has <laughs> not been good. Yeah. Stringer was never going to be good. I mean, when a guy comes back with that tattoo and that hair that he had that he rocked for a week or two, like, for someone like him... Did, where, you, did, you, sorry, did you hear that he barely did it because he thought you could just wash it out? <laughs> no, I didn't hear that, but it wouldn't surprise me that so much. That's why he shaved his head because he panicked. <laughs> for a player like that, the the thing that you want from him the most in preseason, you just don't want to hear a word about him. Like he just he just mm. plugs along, just does the team thing. For a guy to come back with what he did, like that's a really really bad sign. And he, he's he's not a good footballer. I don't. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dropped. A lot of the a lot of the things we said about McCarthy do apply to Stringer as well. In the way he carries himself yeah. into a like a contest, definitely doesn't do the team thing. It's trying to get the other guy to overcommit. And then work out the other side. But you've, sometimes you've got to put your head down and go get the ball. And until he does that... Because when he does... when he, Every time he's got the ball and he's standing up in a tackle, nobody can bring him down. And he, the, when he picks the ball up, some, some of his pickups at ground level, not many players can Yeah, if that. he just went in a beeline towards the ball, he'd be so much more effective. But too often he tries to pivot and go out the other yeah, side yeah. of the contest. And I don't think that's an effective game in this day and age. Because... The structures are so good that somebody's always on the backside to cover that. And if not, it's a boundary line. So it just doesn't work. And, and I think Stringer does sum up a lot of the issues that Essendon will have all year. Just not doing the team thing, doing nothing defensively. And not enough of a midfielder. Because <laughs> I think that's still their biggest issue. There's not enough in the midfield. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he sums up pretty well then. <laughs> he does, he does. A good trade from that perspective. <sighs> uh, so let's go. Port Sydney. Oh, you remembered to skip over West Coast Bulldogs. Uh, I did have to double take. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget. Uh, but yeah, this was probably the most important game of the round in terms of the teams involved. I agree with you. I, Port, real deal. I, I think they I think they were a real, real chance of winning the Premiership. So the question I have, does this was your opinion of them changed with this game or did you were you leaning that way going in? I was leaning that way anyway because I... I know the ability that they have and they've had the last couple of years, but this game was a real, real positive sign for me. Their problem last year was when the game was on their terms, when the game was played the way they wanted it to be played, Mm. when they had space to run into, they could run, they could carry, they were excellent. But as soon as the team started getting them at the coalface, started making it a game which they don't like to play, they had no chance. The thing which was impressive about this game was heading into it, I thought it was just going to be a battle of Sydney trying to contain the game as much as possible, make it a contested ball game, make it a slog. Port trying to find some space on the SCG. Yep. That's that. That's not what happened. It was actually just a contested ball game. It was an absolute slog fest. Mm. It was played exactly how Sydney would have wanted it to be played, and Port beat them. But that is a that is a massive sign that they're winning games that aren't games which are set up for them to win anymore. Yeah, no. And on top of that, they didn't have a rider in a game with lots of stoppages. Like, that, yeah. that is a huge win. And they've still got Rockliffe who they're playing across half forward because he can't run properly. Like, he, he spent a fair bit of time in the midfield, but he didn't uh, do anything. No. <laughs> Which is a real, it's the only real worry they have going for them. You feel like he, once he gets a bit of run into his legs, he can just click again. He's, he's been too good a footballer for a while. He's a 30 touch a game footballer. You don't lose that just because you switch clubs. Exactly. Uh, but their midfield looks pretty ferocious. Mm-hmm. Wines is a bull. Ebert 
does the job. And then all the stuff around them is really high quality. Gray, we know what he is. And then the amount they rotate through. Yeah. Eventually they rotate. Yeah. Rockliffe, Motlop occasionally. Wingard. There's just so much that can go they're, through there. They're doing that sexy thing at the moment. Like, Boat turned the game when he went forward. Mm. Uh, Ebert spends a fair bit of time forward. Robbie Gray's almost like 50-50 the way he plays. Um, this game, Dixon was rucking right around. Yeah. And did a pretty good job. So they were using that small forward line, and it, it was working. They, yeah, they have a very good midfield depth. Um, and their forward line is really good with Dixon and Watts in there now. Yeah, I find what they've done with Boak to be astonishing, really. Because he was pretty much an A-grade midfield. He, oh, might, be he a, no, might be a slight bit below your real top end, but he was He's A-grade. He's A-grade, yeah. But they've turned him into a high-half forward. But he's still got the ability to go play midfield, and he's getting better and better as the half forward. I just I wouldn't have done what they did, but it's slowly working out for them. He's a real on-field leader as well. He's yeah. really, really important for them. Um, and I, I was I was super, super impressed. Yeah. I'm not worried about Sydney at all, though. No, this I, is just a game you occasionally lose. I feel like top side. I'm getting to the point with Sydney where I'm starting to. They're always going to be very good, and you always know what you're going to get from them, and it's always going to be excellent. I'm not don't sure know they if, can win a premiership. Yeah, I don't know if they're quite there, and we've seen that over the last few years. They're a little Geelong-y in that way. Yeah. But and they're built fairly similarly. The only difference is they have Buddy compared to Tom Organs. I suppose the interesting thing about this, in the past when we've seen them lose these games, it's been teams that sort of figure them out from a coaching perspective. This game was not that. They were actually beaten at their own game, which doesn't happen often, but... They'll be a pretty good side. <laughs> yeah, they're not dropping off a cliff. Uh, let's move on. Hawthorne defeated Geelong by one point. This was a good game. <laughs> this was, Commentators very much overhyped the whole all-time classic stuff. But this was a classic. The, that yeah. that scoreline, was it 117 to 116 or something? Yeah, 117. We don't see that these days. We don't see something high scoring as close as that anymore. Um, and that was by itself was enough to make it really special. But then the, the Geelong comeback after halfway... I thought the game was done halfway through the last quarter. Yeah, well, there were four goals up. You shouldn't be able to come back from that. And, and they had Hawthorne, all momentum too. Hawthorne didn't stop scoring either. They kicked two more goals. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's when a game's really freakish. There was <laughs> three times where the commentator said, Hawthorne's pretty much home now. And then Geelong kicked a goal. Two seconds later, she says, well, Geelong's back in it. Yep. And part of that is go commentators make up your mind, but part of it's reflective of the game. It was it so up and down for that middle part of the fourth quarter. It was pretty high quality as well. The Hawthorne's ball use, not what it was, but still really, really good. Yep. Their structure still holds up, which, given Clarkson's the best coach in the game, you'd think it would. Yep. I'm... Don't think they're suddenly top four contenders, but it's a good sign for them. Are you a little bit worried that they're going to be a quality sign? A little bit? No. So, what? the only time I'd ever be scared of Hawthorne is if I think they could win a flag. And I don't yeah, think... I don't think they're going to win They're not going to win a flag, and they're still going to drop off the cliff because they're the second oldest team in the comp. Mm-hmm. So, we keep talking about them as though they're now this young side that's refreshed and ready to go again. But they're not. You're right, but it doesn't mean they're going to be a good side. No, but I don't care if Hawthorne's between 8th and 10th. That's just every I other I care if they're in the 8th because that could be the thing that knocks Melbourne out. So. Yeah, but that's because you've got skin <laughs> in the game. I don't. I'm not worried about this for Geelong either, really. You're rating Geelong this year, aren't you? You rated them last week. And... Well, so Hawthorne won the game because Roughhead stood up late. 
Ruffhead stood up late because he's playing on Zach Guthrie. Ruffhead was playing on Zach Guthrie because Harry Taylor's hurt. Uh, Lockie Henderson's hurt. <laughs> I forgot his name there. And the guy they brought in to replace mm-hmm. him, Jack Henry, who was a key defender, got hurt during that game. It's true. That's massive for their structure, and it leaves a guy that looks like he should be in about year 10 playing on a premier key forward. Yeah. And then, also, they didn't have two of their top few midfielders. And if you add Mitch Duncan and Scott Selwood to that midfield, that midfield looks unbelievably scary. That is true. Because Tim Kelly's turned into pretty much a good player already. Yeah, well, he's played two games, but he is looking... But he, he, is does, he looks good. comfortable. He doesn't look... Like, occasionally he's going to have games like that where he looks almost like an A-grader. But if his baseline is above average, which I think it can be... That helps, and they need players who are above yeah. average because they've got the elite and not a lot else. They need those players. Yeah, and to be honest, I think the worry is that they still don't have enough in the forward line because Tom Hawkins doesn't bring enough, and I think part of that's the coach, uh, the coaching structure. Menzel has been on fire, though, and it's unbelievable really that he was nearly delisted. <laughs> that is weird. I like what Parfit's doing, being a high half forward. He's developing, but he's not there yet. The Radagalia was out, so... I don't think was that's he act- injured or was yeah, that it was a lot of I don't think that's an actual real out you worry about, but it could be for structure reasons. <laughs> they what they're okay, missing. Right. They like don't it. get enough around the ball from their ruckman. Stanley's not there. Mm-hmm. Stanley did like one or two things to make you go poor. You're the guy that won the grand final sprint, but that's it. They've spent a long time trying to find a <laughs> find a ruckman. They brought well, in so many Ottens retired. Yeah. seven years. Yeah, and they brought in so many. Like Hamish McIntosh. Yeah, exactly. It goes back a long way. But yeah, let's move on. But I think still Geelong should be optimistic going through the season. Uh, so let's move on to top five. We've got the top five players under 23. This is inspired by a pretty atrocious article on AFL.com. Yeah, I wasn't week. happy with it, to be honest. Um, it was just wrong. And look, people aren't as smart as us, so that happens. But what, let's put things right. What was most wrong about it? Bont number one, not Kelly number one, or Clayton not in there? Probably by most wrong was probably Oliver not in it. Yeah, because That is the most wrong. Because there were three Melbourne players in it. And he's better than all of them, yes. <laughs> but Kelly not being one hurt me for reasons that are pretty irrational. <laughs> like, I love that guy. He's one of my favourite players in the league, and he's going to be a North player in two years, which helps. But he's so much better than Bond. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm going to be number one. But uh, number five, I've gone the track. I, oh, interesting. He he sneaks in, but like he's a, he has the ability to be an absolute great of the game. And he's, he's building towards that. We were yeah. saying before, the similarities in the way he's built is extremely similar to Dangerfield. Yeah, a lot of the weaknesses are the same. The strengths are pretty similar. Dangerfield's got a bit of extra pace, yeah. but it's not... That much, like, yeah. And there was a long time with Danger where we were a bit like he was showing so much ability, and we thought he's like he's, he can become an absolute great. And he took a, a little bit longer. He than probably took a year. He, no, he probably had the year where he got there. Then he had a down year the year after with a bit of injury, and that sort of made it could have been that. But it felt like there was a little wait. And I feel like we're doing the same with track. And we'll do there'll be one year where it's just bad. yeah. When he gets to twenty five, it's the same with Dusty, really. Yeah, Dusty probably. was good, and then he got to 25, and he was better than everybody. <laughs> I wouldn't mind danger or Dusty in the Melbourne team. Yeah, so I've gone... I don't have track on mine. Ooh. 
I'm just looking at your number five. Yeah, I don't have Trek on mine. I don't think he's shown enough yet. I think there are too many players under 23 that have shown themselves to be actual A-graders already, and I don't think Trek's quite there yet. I agree with you entirely. We'll on his, yeah, I agree but, on his potential. Uh, five have gone Bontepelli. What? You hate the Bont. <laughs> you despise the Bont. You think he's the most overrated player of all time, don't you? He's still in like the top five under 23. I was so confident neither of us would put him in there. Oh, so you don't have him? No, he's not in mine. He's better than Petrucca. And it's not my most potential. It's who's been the best. I think at the end of this year, it'll be very questionable who's had a better year. I, I think track will probably be just there. I think every time Bontepelli's... I think what Bond and Pelly doesn't do well is generally Luke Beveridge's fault at this point. And I think he was better two years ago because he was coached better. I still think, as a player, he's better than Petrarca. And I, can't, I don't understand how you can have Petrarca over Bond I, I think at the end of this year, you'll dis- you won't. That's fine. The top five is done today. I'm taking potential into account. Why would we be talking about under-23s if potential wasn't relevant to it? Bond and Pelly... Like he would have been my number is, six. He's an old A-grader. I thought you hated him more than me. Anyway, <laughs> my four, I've gone with uh, Matt Crouch. Who's, he, yeah. took, he took a little bit to grow on me, to be honest with you. He, he doesn't have he's that a little, special something. He's a, a lot little of these... Tom Mitchell-esque in the way that he just does it and gets it done. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's fair. You don't take him for granted until you look at him properly. And then you see all the hard work he does, how much he... Adds to the cohesiveness of that midfield. Uh, the ball movement doesn't stop when he gets in his hands, which is so important for free-flowing football, which builds scores. I think those players are underrated in the league. Potentially, yeah. Because I mean, they don't do things that are flashy. I think if you look at the, the five who I have, if, he kind of stands out because he's the one player who doesn't have that like freakish, special something about him. But the fact that he's so good at what he does so consistently... Do you think... It's hard to... So what do you think... So my four was Oliver. Mm-hmm. What do you think Oliver's special something is that's more special than what Matt Crouch has? His but hands. But Matt Crouch has excellent hands. Not as good as Clayton's. Clayton's, he actually has the best hands in the comp. There. He's absolutely freakish with how quick he is with his hands. I've never seen anything like it. Okay. I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's quite as... Special in comparison to Matt Crouch is what you make you by saying he doesn't have anything special in his game. Is all. The, and I think Matt Crouch. Have the X Matt Crouch is what Clayton Oliver has done. What Clayton Oliver has done, except he's done it in good side and on the highest occasions and levels against the best. Clayton Oliver, excellent player, fantastic A grader already. Mm-hmm. But the higher level that Matt Crouch has done it put, makes me put him at three instead of four. Yeah, I think the reason why you'd be thinking Crouch's head is because he's had the chance to play finals and he played well in finals. So yeah. that really made him stand out. Well, I think if uh, Clayton's year last year was every bit as good as Matt Crouch's was. And if he played finals, we would have got to the end of the year saying the same thing about him. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And, well, I mean, Clayton's my number three. So <laughs> we just flicked those two around. Mom, we've got the same top two. So okay. let's just give the, the spoiler away there. We both got Kelly as number one, Cripps as number two. Yeah, we'll start with Cripps. I think Cripps is fantastic, and I think he's forgotten about a little bit because he was broken leg last year. But I think he's actually... People didn't forget him after his round one. Yeah, but I think he's really grown as a player this year. What he's doing up forward is a lot more impactful than anything he's ever done up forward Mm -hmm. prior to this. He's still the contested ball monster, but he's added elements to his game. His overhead ability is being shown off more. I'm not sure it's better, but he's doing a lot more... He's still got a 
kick the ball a bit more than he does to be really as effective as he can be because I don't think there's enough around him to warrant the quick handball to nobody. So, but he's just, he's a guy you build a midfield around. He, he, he dominates games in more of a sense than most of the players on this list. He, he absolutely yeah. dominates in, yeah. in the contest. Um, and he, he takes a good mark as well. He's got an all-round game. He's great with his hands. His kicking isn't great. That's probably no. his one downside. But when you watch him at his best, it, the game is controlled by Patrick Cripps. Yeah, so last round one, Dustin Martin played pretty well. Patrick Cripps made him look yeah. irrelevant, really. And there aren't many players in the He made that. Dusty not look like the best player on the field. And that never happens. Mm-hmm. That's what Patrick Cripps' potential is. And his ability to go forward should be on par with all those midfielders that are going forward and kicking goals because he's got the ability to play big. And I think that's a massive strength to Carlton's bow and to his bow. And number one, let's talk about my hope. Oh, he's, a long, he's a long way. I, there was actually he's no hesitation at all. So good. Number one. Like, these guys, a lot of them are future stars. They're really good, but they're future stars. Yeah, yeah. He's already, like, a top five player in the competition. Yeah. He's just so he's good. He's silky. He's sexy. He's left. He's really he's special. Some of the, like, bullshit passes he picks out as well just make me go, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's caught. Because he's not that quick. He's a really smooth runner and a long runner, and he works into space. Yeah, yeah. Of it. He's not actually, like, explosive, but... Every time he gets caught, he somehow still hits a target with a dinky little t- kick. He does something to keep the ball moving, and that's an. I think that's one of the most impressive uh, strings to his bow. And, and he's, he's inside and outside as well. He's, mm. he's just a rounded footballer. He a lot look, more than a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys, you can say there's a weakness there. There isn't. With yeah, well, he's good the at rest of these guys are all really inside midfielders when we think about it, and mm. most of them can go forward and offer a little bit. But Josh Kelly. His spread is what sets him apart from the others, I think. He still wins the ball as much as Cripps and Crouch. and Well, not as much as Crouch, but as much as those guys. But he's so much more effective with it because of the situations he gets it. He's still really good. He's a top-class inside player. But his spread, on top of that, just makes him elite. You can't think of a criticism of him, and that's probably what sets him apart. No, so, the criticism of him is he's not six foot five and a key forward like Patrick Cripps. <laughs> like you're yes, pulling out okay, bullshit ones. Yes. Like, there's nothing there. Right, let's go to questions because we're going pretty long at the moment. Uh, so, is Luke Beveridge going to get sacked before Buckley? And what has caused the Bulldog to have a decline? Well, you you were saving up for a chance to reach into the dogs, weren't you? You didn't talk about it earlier because you knew there was a question going up. Um, no, Luke Beveridge won't be sacked before Nathan Buckley. Nathan Buckley should have been sacked a long time ago. And yeah. you can't sack Beveridge. I understand the criticisms of him, and I agree with a lot of what you say about him, what you said last week. But you cannot sack the bloke. That was a, he put in a special performance to win that grand final. He did. So, but let's, so let's be clear. It's not should he get sacked before Buckley, because I agree with you. It's will he. And I, think I also don't think he will. I think that's a strong maybe, because I... I don't understand why Buckley hasn't been sacked already, so I just I'm not willing to say when he will be sacked. So you'd say the the dogs are a bit more volatile with how they and the dogs are not the dogs are not a well run club at the moment. No, look at all the controversy they've had. What with their women's team with like their former board member being locked out of the game, Red Path not being allowed to have a game because of a clerical error. 
the stringer uh, the stringer stuff that went on last year, the Travis Cloak stuff that's going on. Like, just... and, and it wasn't that long ago when they sacked McCartney, and that was a, that was a real shock because they yeah. looked like they were on the right track. Yeah, that was a real moment as well. Job. And they had the captain walk out. They've been in disarray. And I understand what you're saying a little bit by the Premiership. But there has been one person who's pulled them together, and that is Luke Beveridge. So they're not going to sack him. That's one hundred percent right. But what's caused their decline is they've got rapidly younger. They're one of the youngest teams in the comp at the moment, which doesn't feel right because they were older when they won the flag. But they've gone backwards in that degree. Think of the players they've lost: Murphy, Morris isn't playing much. Boyd's gone. There's so many of those guys yeah. that just gave them those a little bit. Those on that just <laughs> they gave them a little bit of strength. Yeah. Now there are a lot of kids. Instead, there's Tim English playing, and that guy can get pushed over by a light gust of wind. Yep. So there's not the backbone there that they used to have, and their side was built on backbone. There wasn't anything pretty about the way they played. No. So without that, they're pretty ordinary. Yep. All right. So <laughs> next question: Are Carlton and Collingwood playing Weedering and Darcy Moore at the wrong ends of the ground? Darcy Moore, I'm definitely going to say yes. I, I think Darcy Moore is a pretty special forward, and I think the, the reason why it hasn't been working for him has been coaching issues that they haven't given him a real yeah. chance. I think if, it, if he's in the right structure, I think he could be really, if really they special. They did to Darcy Moore what a, lot of play, what a lot of coaches are doing with their key forwards and did the isolating thing. Yeah, exactly. Because he's so good on the ground and in the air. He'd be unstoppable. He, really weirdly... He reminds me a little bit of Tom Lynch because he's all big and lanky. doesn't look like anything but bones, but he's surprisingly coordinated around the ground. And Tom Lynch, every time he does something well <laughs> below his knees, I go, wow, really? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's so tall and he's so long. But Darcy's the same. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's as strong overhead as he should be for that some of that size. Weedering's a tough one because he looked really good in the back line in his first year. Like, it looked like yeah. he, he looked like he belonged there. First, he looked so comfortable. His first there. game, Jack Rewell was like, this guy's incredible. Yeah. Like, straight off the bat. And then they took him out and played him forward. And he does. He looks lost. And I get it. You always want... If you have the choice between an A-grade key forward and an A-grade key defender... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, still now, would you take Buddy or Rance first? I'd go Buddy every yes, time. Yes, I would. But Rance is that good. It's easier... Yeah, <laughs> Rance is special. He's so far above the same. That's days. true, but... Oh, it's perhaps so Buddy, really. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it's so easy to find a replaceable key defender like a replacement level key defender yeah. then it is a forward that will do you damage and I think you have to try it with Weedering but it's not working and maybe you have to throw him back I yeah I, I wouldn't want to you just have to you have to give him a position yeah. and just stick him there and if he's back at the moment keep him back and yes. let, him, let him adjust again so many key forwards or backs have been ruined by them playing as swingmen like when has there ever been a good swingman yep never Yep. Like Ashley Hunter. Yeah, no, the swing man is an incredibly, incredibly <laughs> overrated yeah. aspect of footy. Uh, yeah. Never works. <laughs> Next question. Is Gold Coast a better side with only two key forwards in Lynch and Day? And is this an issue for two metre Peter? Probably. I think most teams at the moment are. I think the third tall is not a viable position. Especially no, no. not when they're all 200 centimetres like Gold Coasts. Two can work. Teams are starting to get two to work. But mm. The problem when you've got three is that you're going to want to have two of them that are going to want to get deep and then they get in each other's way. We've been talking about it throughout this whole pod, the idea of yeah. 
the, the importance of isolating a key forward. With two, you can do that. They can sort of chop out a little bit. Once you've got a third in there, it just it creates a crowd and it, it doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Yeah. So key forwards are working. Key forwards are fine, but you have to play them right and you have to isolate. Yeah, them. and I think the third tall has to be a medium now. It has to be the a little bit over 190 that can be just as good on the ground as he is in the air. Yeah. You can't afford to get too big because you'll just Horns. get... Yeah, people will just get run around you. It it doesn't work. And I think it's pretty good coaching. I've been really impressed by Stuart Jew so far. Their structure's a lot better and their ball movement's a lot better. Yeah. The, the, sec- the second part of this, would you have Day in ahead of 2-meter Peter as well? I really liked Luca Day against Carlton. He moved really well and he did a lot in the air where I was like, oh yeah, I remember you as a player now. Because to be honest, he'd completely dropped he had, off my yeah. radar. Peter Wright was looking pretty good for a while. Though. Yeah, that being said, Peter Wright looks really good. And Peter Wright's someone I would chase reasonably hard if I was looking for a kick yeah. forward. Maybe he just wasn't playing to the structure. Like I did, They did struggle, the two of them last year, Wright yeah. and Lynch, to work together. And maybe it was as simple as that and Day just worked a lot better. Their synergy's better. That could be that Lynch and Day have played a lot more football together, so that's probably part of it. But mm. yeah. I'd be trying to get Peter Wright out of out of uh, Gold Coast. Uh, <laughs> we're running a bit over time, so we're not going to be able to... This will have to be the last question, unfortunately. But is Cyril the best anticipation slash turnover player in the competition, or is he highly overrated by Hawthorne supporters? We've had arguments about Cyril in the past before. I rate him higher than you do. But there However, is, there, is still, a, there is a correct answer. He's still <laughs> incredibly overrated. He's an excellent, excellent footballer. But he is incredibly overrated at the same time, which yeah. just shows how ridiculously highly rated he is. I think, in all honesty, he's a borderline star. No, he's a star. He's a borderline star. But he's talked about as though he's <laughs> one of the best few forwards in the competition. No. And even if no. you think he is a star, he's not one of the best few forwards no, in the competition. No, I agree with you on that. That's probably where our line's different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get back to a segment that we weren't sure would return. Because Kane Corns didn't say anything stupid, really, really stupid this week. But well, we brought Which it back. It's surprising. <laughs> we thought it was a lot that he say something stupid every week. Uh, the, really, the only thing you did was have a go at Cirrioli, and I agree with that one. So I'm not going to call it out. The segment's the Kane Corns big call of the week. Right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. at its core, it's something stupid, a big call that's pretty stupid that somebody said, and or that we make. And we use Kane Corns as a reference point because he's really good at making big, stupid calls. And he makes big, stupid calls he doesn't necessarily believe in. That's, that's why we enjoy him. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, yeah, this week he's gone. Paddy McCartan is an AFL standard. That was the biggest, stupidest call he made. Like, that's true. I know. That's, that's, that's the problem with stupid. it. That's stupid. That's a like, fact. The, the, yeah, that one's... I don't really... He might... He, Hopefully we'll get to AFL standard. Right now he's not AFL standard. That's that's the truth he's telling. Yeah. That is not a Kane Corns yes. big call. Yeah, we couldn't find anything Kane Corns. We had Corns. a disappointing week, didn't we? Do you have an alternate? Well, what did bloody Nathan Brown have to say about Max? This was quite... Nathan Brown is a Kane Corns well. He does the same things. He yeah, makes big calls for the fun of it. Nathan Brown really annoys me. <laughs> He said, he said Max, basically said Max missed that goal because he's vegan. Yeah, and he has, and he's, he needs to get back he'll the never be the best ruckman in the competition if he's not vegan. Yeah, which, I mean, he was taking the piss a little bit. He was being a bit of a cane corns, but that, that, that fits in nicely to what we're expecting. Yeah, so we might adjust corns. it to just the biggest, stupidest call of the week from anyone in the yeah, media. But it's still titled the cane corns call of the week, and a lot of the time he'll feature, but it's just the biggest, stupidest call. That's fair, that's fair. Anyway, who's your, what's your call for this week? I'm going to go with Lance Franklin's the best key forward we've ever seen. 
we've ever seen or anybody's, no, no, anybody's ever, seen. ever seen. The best key forward of all time. That's very stupid, so I it's, appreciate it's, that. It's not that stupid. It's that, like, I don't mind it because you can... Look, I don't agree with it, but you can make an argument about it. You can only consider players within their time, and at this time, he is kicking, he has kicked so many more goals than any other yeah, player around his era. He's so far ahead of it. Um you're obviously going to say Wayne Carey, and yep. you talk about, you know, Ablett and Dunst, they kick more goals, but of course they did. They played when it was easy to kick goals. Yeah, well, when it was more opportunities for key forwards to kick goals. I'd say yeah. that's what's changed. Yes. The ball has not yes. been directed to key forwards yes. in the same way recently. Exactly. Mine is that uh, Gold Coast will make the eight. Again, don't actually believe yeah. it. But really, <laughs> that is pretty strange. I have been quite impressed by them, and I just wanted to give them a real shout-out because... Everything Stuart Jew and the Gold Coast are doing has been pretty impressive. You just love Gold Coast. For I do. Years, I really like both the expansion teams. You're similar to them as I am with Freo. This is you can't really be explained. You just happen to like them. Well, uh, what uh, what I really like about Gold Coast is that not North Melbourne now the Gold Coast. It's their own little team, so I'm just glad they exist as someone else. But uh, yeah, no, I really like what they're doing, and I think their list is better than people are giving credit for. Good work, Kane. And they're a bit healthier. Uh, But let's get to the tips. Uh, First up, we've got a pretty interesting Friday night game. Probably not a good Friday night game, but it will be interesting. We've got Carlton. Yeah, we've got Carlton Collingwood. Uh, Collingwood. I hope Carlton, but Collingwood. Yeah, I think it'll be Collingwood as well. this one's pretty easy. You can pretty much lock it in for Gold Jacket Green Jacket next <laughs> Mate, we, week. We've been wrong about that before. We got Port Brisbane. Port. In Port. <laughs> <laughs> we've, been, we've been wrong about that before. Don't Now we've got it. the game of the round, and I've looked at the odds and I'm quite perplexed by it, but uh, it's got Melbourne North and Melbourne are dollar thirty favourites. Can you explain that, Scott? No, I can't. I think North will win it. So North, uh, higher on the ladder, have a better track record this year. You barely scraped like, there's over. One, there's one reason why North will win it, and that's because you barely Melbourne scraped, never beat North. You barely scraped over the line against Brisbane. We belted a team that did the exact same thing to Brisbane as you did, and you lost to a team that's not even in the eight. So well, right, I agree with you. I'm tipping North. Yeah. Are I'm you tip, tipping North no, as well? No, I'm tipping Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, now we've got Suns, Frio. In Frio, but Gold Coast whole game. Frio. I'll go Suns. I, I I was confident on Freo unless I saw Hill was out. That that worried. Oh, he's actually confirmed out. I think so. Yeah. Bugger. I saw an article just before we came on. I think Re- it's new news. Mm, but Freo. Breaking news on the podcast. Uh, then Sydney GWS. <laughs> uh, GWS. Yeah. Same. Same. Well, this is the SCG, which yeah, I that, Sydney, but I thought that last week as well. So. <laughs> very true. But GWS are just impressive they so good. far. Uh, then we got St Kilda. Adelaide. Adelaide. St Kilda will be pretty fired up, but Adelaide. Yeah, it's at Eddie Head, which I think helps Adelaide as well. The fast track. Just, St Kilda, you know? No, Adelaide. If it was at the G, I'd say. St Kilda are a lot better at Eddie Head than they are. They weren't elsewhere. very good at Eddie Head last week, Scott. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, then we got Richmond Hawthorne. This is an interesting This game. is actually really interesting. I'm actually quite excited for that, but Richmond. I think I'll walk out of this game either going... I think I'll walk out of this game going, I'm still not sure what I think about either side. Because if all of them win, I'll be like, yeah, but Richmond's form line doesn't look good anymore. And if Richmond win, I'll be like, yeah, but I didn't think Hawthorne was any good anyway. <laughs> so I'm not going to learn anything out of this game, mostly by choice. And who uh, are you tipping? Richmond. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we got Western Bulldogs, Essendon. Essendon. Yeah, Essendon. I agree. I just, to be honest, I'm not sure who I'd pick the Bulldogs against at the moment. 
Yeah, you well, kicked them against I, the I really, I really hope they come back because I want to rub it in your face. But they're not looking great at the moment. Yeah, then we got West Coast Geelong. West Coast. I'm going to go Geelong. Yeah, it, it's in Perth. Just, I think the I midfield difference would be massive. And if they play, they have to play Zach Smith, I think, because they have to try and put a body in there that doesn't get bullied by Nick Nat and, believe it or not, Lysett, because I think Lysett would take an absolute dump on Stanley, mm. which says a lot about what I think for Stanley. But I just think they have to be a bit bigger in that midfield and a bit more of a pillar. Yeah, anyway, right. that just about wraps it up. Uh, ooh, we're only three minutes longer than we hoped. Well done to us. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. So apologies to any questions we didn't get to, in particular one from our Queensland friend. But uh, it was, was dated to the 22nd of April, so we'll ask it when it's appropriate, I guess. But thanks for asking. Thanks for listening. Big weekend this weekend, Banjo. Big, big weekend.